Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Southern Rock Podcast, a southern storm of bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast, now on Pantheon Podcast. With me always is Jason. Jason, tell the good folks out there, the listeners, uh, what else they can hear on Pantheon Podcasts. Absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. Sorry to cut you off there. Great, great, great podcast. We're happy to be part of the network. Um, of course, we have the American Werewolf in London, Mistress Carrie. And this week, Brian, I enjoyed the Hook Rocks with Jay Scott. He had on our buddy, Jax Hollow, talking about her new record. It was a great interview. I sent him a note telling him how much I enjoyed it. And then we will be having Jax on in July. Old buddy Jax back on. And I will look forward to that. I haven't heard the uh, the Jay's uh, uh, interview with her or his chat with her, but I will definitely do that soon. Uh, before we get into our lead into our guest, I need you, Jason, to tell me who's in first place in the NL Central and MLB. Oh, just my Cincinnati Red Legs right now. Her on an 11-game winning streak and the hottest team in baseball. You expect this trend to, to continue? Nope. <laughs> Come on now. Where's that confidence? Uh, the starting pitching is a little shaky. The couple starters that they have are hurt, and they've been moving people around. The offense has been carrying them. A lot of young dudes, a lot of rookies on the offense, like Matt McClain and Ellie De La Cruz, who are really doing awesome. And at some point, you know, some point they won't be firing on all cylinders. Right now, they're playing the Atlanta Braves. It's Friday the 23rd. They're currently losing 5-2 to two in the third inning. But they'll come back. They've got the most comeback wins in baseball. So is, is there some trash talking on going between you and, and David Hudson from the state of America? 
the Braves are a better team. I'm, I'll <laughs> wait till later on in the season. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to jinx anybody right now. Right. Right. All right. Let's get into it. Let's get into the segue into our guest. Yeah. So this week, um, we had an originally another guest scheduled. Hey, it sounds like last week, uh, our guest couldn't make it. So. Brian, we turned into our network of rock journalists to once again bail us out. And this guy, very timely, this guy writes for Guitar World Magazine, Rock Candy, Metal Edge. He's friends with Matt Wake. He's friends with Matt Wardlaw. So it made a lot of sense to have him on because he just had a great article published about Rich Robinson and the 11 guitar players that shaped the sound. Yeah, um, Guitar World, and we've got that posted on our Facebook page. Um, it was just kind of, it's been a nice kind of surprise uh, rock journalist theme unplanned. And in both situations last week and this, we needed someone in a pinch. And uh, our fellow friends, rock journalists, came through for us. And we enjoyed, again, uh, a really, really super good chat with Andrew Uh you guys are going to hear this, all sorts of cool things, and uh, we'll uh, definitely be, uh, you know, telling you what we like best after we, uh, you know, return with our outro. Absolutely. And Brian, before we get into our conversation with Andrew, I want to run through this list of 11 guitar players that shaped Rich Robinson sound. And I want you to tell me if you're surprised to hear that or not. So, number one. As I scroll on my phone, this is the worst to scroll on your phone on these stupid on these stupid things. They take forever. Stephen Stills from the great Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. What do you think? Uh, that totally makes sense to me. Uh, he's mentioned uh, some of the other work that Stephen Stills done that he's into, so I've, I've definitely heard a lot about that. Number two, Angus and Malcolm Young. Uh, once again, no surprise. You know. Um, you know, they did the one year for Halloween. I can't remember which year. Was it was it 206 when they did the uh, BCDC uh, Halloween little thing before they... Uh, you can find it set. on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, you can find it on YouTube. Yep. And you know what? I think anybody in rock who plays guitar, rock, it's going to like ACDC, right? Oh, That's kind of sure. like the thing. How can yeah. you not? All right. Number three, Peter Buck. Uh, no, because I'm not surprised. Those guys are huge REM fans. Everyone down there. You know, in those early to mid '80s, you know, I think before, you know, REM became huge. They 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 all loved REM, so that that totally makes perfect sense. And you know, Mr. Crow's Garden sounded more like kind of like that before they became the Black Crows. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, moving on to number four, Nick Drake. Well, I've heard Rich talk in a lot of interviews. That's kind of how he got into open tunings along with Keith Richards. So, once again, no surprise there. Dude, you're nailing it. All right, number five, Clarence White. Um, no, not surprised. Um, I don't recall if I've heard him talk a lot about that. If I was correct, he was in the birds, right? You are right. Look people, at you, dude. Like, you should know that for sure. Yeah. So I know those guys were a huge fan of the birds. So well, you nailed that one too. And as the worst thing about these mobile phones when you look at articles is the constant deluge of pop-up ads that take you <laughs> away from your place. <laughs> yeah, right. So so as I scroll back to where I was because pop-ups, God help us all. All right. So that's it. That's a good one. Um, that was an excellent call. 
and I'm I'm I am uh I am uh killing time while I get to the place I I, I was. So all right, Clarence White, number six, Keith Richards. No, well, of course that's no surprise. <laughs> you know, no brainer. Open tuning, similar yeah. styles, and they cover a lot of the stones. All right, keeping the stones going, Mick Taylor, number seven. Once again, no brainer. Exile on Main Street. Here's one I was surprised about, but of course. Any guitar player probably loves, but number eight is Jimi Hendrix. Well, you know, he's Rich has played on a, on, on at least one of those uh, experienced Hendrix tribute tour things or shows that they've, they've done. All right, we're staying with the Rolling Stones from number nine, Ronnie Wood. You know, that one kind of might surprise me a little bit, but maybe not really. I mean, it's the Stones, right? It's kind of, he's the, the lead player over there, and they do a and, lot of Stone stuff. And Ronnie Wood being in the Faces as well. Well, and we know those guys love the Faces because, of course, they've he's covered the Faces with Magpie Salute. All right. All right. I think number 10 won't be a surprise to anybody. Jimmy Page. Of course. Of course. Again, if you say. play guitar, you like ACDC, you like Zeppelin. I think Jimi Hendrix, that all I makes like sense. like the Stones. All right, number 11 in the last one, Dwayne Allman. Uh, of course, you know, that that's not surprising. Making Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, you know, you know. Uh, All the amazing, slide work. Amazing slide player, you know, yeah. uh, influenced by Elmore James. So, you know. <laughs> This is why you do the podcast. You know all this stuff. I know I only make jokes because I don't have the background, but I, I'm with you. I think the 11 guitar players, I am not surprised to hear the shape of sound. Now, for me, Jimi Hendrix, everybody likes Jimi Hendrix, but I hear zero influence of Hendrix on his playing, but I can hear influences from everybody else. Yeah, and I was going to say Elmore James, you know, of course, uh, originally had Shake Your Moneymaker, the song. Yep. So, yeah, that's just a, that's just a, a no-brainer. But so, this article was great, right, Brian? The leader, oh, I guess. Fabulous, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's very, very cool. Very cool. So uh, what's also very cool is our discussion with Andrew Daly, and you guys are going to enjoy listening to it right now. Guest segment of the podcast, and Jason's going to introduce our guest that we told you is joining us. <laughs> I always like that that we told you is joining us. Like it's not a surprise we get to this point, but two weeks in a row, we've luckily had great rock journalists join us for conversations. This time it's our new friend. Last week was our old friend Matt Wake. This time it's our new friend, writer of Metal Edge, right? Writer yep. from Guitar World, a lot of other things. 
Mr. Andrew Daly. How you doing, Andrew? How you doing, guys? Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Big fan, big fan of the podcast. And I love the episode with Matt. It was, it was great. Cool. Don't tell much. him he'll get a big head. He'll get a big Not head. Thank you for listening. <laughs> I messaged Matt right after, as I was listening to it, I was like, dude, you're killing it. This is great. But I wasn't surprised. Matt's awesome. You know what I mean? So, how's everything yeah. in Long Island? It's pretty good. Uh, you know, you probably heard, what was it, like a week or two ago, we basically couldn't breathe here because of the oh, fires. Yeah. That was, that, was real real, that was really legit. I was out watering my, my garden outside and I got dizzy and uh, it looked wow. like it was a forest fire <laughs> around. Uh, that's clear and it's unusually cold. Uh, it's almost July and it's like 60 degrees out there. So I don't know, go figure. <laughs> Wow. It's cool in Ohio, and and so Brian is in North Dakota. Brian, what is your temperature? Uh, you know, it's it's not too bad today. A couple days ago, well, yesterday, no, the day before, it was like almost a hundred with wind Good behind Lord. it, so it's like opening an oven door. Oof. But not too bad today. Not we're sixty nine right now, so we're a little warmer in New York. Um, we did not have the smoke. Brian, did you get any of that wildfire smoke? Probably we got not, a little you? bit, like not much. It was like a ha- little hazy. Yeah. Not a lot of fun, but you know what's fun? Chat music with Andrew, because I know we'll get in your background and Brian, I'll get you started, but like you caught my attention here recently. I've, I've read a lot of your stuff and followed you on social media, but that article that just came out with Rich Robinson and his uh, guitar kind of heroes or influences. And I definitely want to want to get in that because Brian and I are huge Black Crows fans. I'm a big Rich Robinson fan as well, but I'll kick over to Brian. Brian always likes to start with the with the first question. Yeah, well, for any of our first time guests, we just want to ask how you got started. You know, for you in, in music journalism, how did how did this begin? How did this come about? Oh God, that's a long story. I'll try to make it as uh, short winded as possible. We have an hour to kill, Andrew. So please <laughs> take your time. <laughs> I uh, I don't you know. I don't know if, if people that do what I do ever plan on doing it. I mean, how could you ever plan to sit down with Rich Robinson and get, you know, for a living, but uh, <laughs> here I am, but um, I don't know. I, uh, I've always been a big fan of music and uh, I always could write. And in my, you know, uh, like mid twenties, I'm 35 now. So my mid twenties, um, I started to, do that uh i started with a website which is no more called vinyl junkies um they still do a radio show on youtube and you know they're a big old vinyl uh facebook group with all that fun gatekeeping stuff that goes on there but uh, <laughs> when i was there there was a website and uh i started writing for it and i did the show notes for the radio show and uh Eventually, I, I launched a newsletter for Vinyl Junkies, and I was the, the editor of the Vinyl Junkies newsletter. It was great. Uh, you know, ultimately, me and the guy that ran Vinyl Junkies didn't have a shared mindset, so we parted ways amicably. And I launched my own website called uh, Vinyl Rider Music, which I named uh, in my infinite wisdom because I uh, am a writer and I like vinyl. So there that was. And... Uh, <laughs> Eventually, I shortened it, and um, that went on for a while, and uh, that grew, and ultimately, from there, uh, I, you know, I sprung off of that and started writing for Guitar World, Rock Candy, Metal Edge, Goldmine, 
et cetera, et cetera. And here we are today. <laughs> Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Did you do journalism in high school, college, like, or is it just something you fell into? Nope. Um, in high school, I was a, a typical Long Island uh, delinquent. <laughs> and I, you know, I spent most of my time uh, not paying attention in class, uh, you know, going out, doing stupid stuff outside of school. Um, but I made it through. When I went to school, I actually in between drifting in and out of that i ultimately settled on a i was going to be uh get a history degree uh which didn't happen um but i remember when i was about 17 years old my dad came in and he was probably very concerned because you know i hadn't applied for college yet and it was like april of my senior year and uh he was like so what are you planning on doing and i was like i'd like to be a journalist and uh at the time the intention was I loved, um, I still love sports, particularly baseball. And back then, I mean. Wait a minute. Yankee, Yankees or Mets or somebody else? Yankees. Oh, dude, currently, they're not looking, they're struggling. I'm currently watching them lose 8-0 in the background. <laughs> but back then, um, I used to actually, you know, when I wasn't in school or on the weekend or whatever, I would walk down the block. And buy newspapers like Newsday, uh, New York Times, and I would flip it over to the back, of course, and read the sports section. So I actually read print journalism in a time when it was like supposedly dying. This would have been like 2004, 2005. And so I wanted to be a journalist. But, uh, of course, I had no uh, idea how I was going to do that. Um, my dad basically said, well, how are you going to do that? And I said, I don't know. And so then fast forward to a bunch of years later. And that... Uh, that, that came to fruition, although on the music side of things, which really has always been my, my primary and passion in life. As much as I love sports, particularly baseball, um, music has really been uh, the thing that's been ever present for me, no matter what's going on in my life. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of what gets me through, you know what I mean? Yeah, and um, 
you know, you talked about writing liner notes, doing or or the articles online to get into to like a legitimate publication to Guitar World, um, Rock Candy, Metal Edge. Is, do you use those as like, is that how you get in? Like, hey, check go check check me out this website. Like, how do you get those gigs with those institutions? Yeah. So for me, um, you know, it's a funny thing. Uh, I think it's a weird thing for me to say, you know, it's like, oh, I'm a professional and I write for these pe these things because I think any creative person lives with imposter syndrome to some degree, or it's like a fluctuation between imposter syndrome and I actually know what I'm doing and you run that gamut. And, um, but to actually get into those spaces definitely didn't happen overnight. I mean, I'll tell you this, I did over a thousand interviews before I ever wrote anything for Guitar World. Yeah. Uh, or gold mine or anything. Um, like I said, I found my own website and that really picked up steam just as COVID was happening. If my memory serves, I founded that website probably, I don't know, a year or maybe less before COVID happened. And I'll be honest with you, I, you know, I think that COVID happening and a lot of these people being idle was to my benefit and probably to a lot of journalists benefit because these people it was to, were, to our benefit too brian yeah. because people weren't doing anything they would come on the podcast they're just hanging out at home you know what i mean and yeah it it, it started started to snowball pretty heavily uh over covid uh and then as things started to open up you know obviously intermittently back and forth that roller coaster but i did that and you know my own website it did really well. I mean, we I interviewed a lot of big names from my website. Uh, you know, David Stain, Joe Perry, uh, like every member Damn. of Kiss, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, at its height, uh, you know, through me editing literally everything on the site and like at some points, you know, a dozen people writing for it, at, you know, at various, uh, you know, intervals, it was, it was netting around a quarter million visitors a month. And so I think, uh, you know, if anything, it was a really great proving ground for me to get myself out there because naturally, as you guys know, when you're interviewing people, names like that, it ends up in Blabbermouth and Ultimate Guitar and all these other aggregate news websites. And I think that just coupled with me finally saying, all right, you know, I'm going to start knocking on some doors and, uh, you know, I want to, because I want to write for these publications. And that's ultimately what, what got me in, I think. Um, because at that point, you know, to your point, it's like, a, hey, I have a body of work here. Here's the, here's the examples of what I'm capable of doing. I would mm -hmm. love to do it for you. And ultimately, that's that. I think that's the combination of events that that led me to those things. But it was it was a slow slow thing. Like I think I, as I remember, I got in with Goldmine first, um, and then Guitar World shortly thereafter, and then. Um, rock candy and metal edge after that and others you know i've written for other outlets here and there you know the the metal injection family of websites uh here and there and uh classic rock history but yes yeah, that's that's, that's kind of how it happens it's uh it wasn't it was a slow burn it, it was a lot a lot a lot a lot of hours of work uh and burning the candle at both ends. But I think that's the case for anybody in, in, in my position. It's, it's a very competitive field. You really have to work super, super hard and be committed to it if you're going to break through. 
So I got a two-part question. Um, do you have a pre preferred genre that you like to write about? Uh, and if so, like, are you able to like choose within genres? Do you get assigned stuff? How does that all work? <clears throat> yeah. Um, so when I first started, especially for my own website, you know, there, there wasn't, I wasn't following anybody else's agenda or anything like that. My thing was I knew I needed to basically, you know, what is it? The, the 10 years or 10,000 hours I needed to accumulate my hours to, I needed to put in the work. So really at that point I would interview or cover anything and anybody, you know, it didn't matter. And in truth, obviously I'm known as a rock journalist, known, known being the, if you do know me and you do follow my work, it, I'm a rock, predominantly rock journalist. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean metal, metal per se. It's more the harder stuff than... Yeah, a lot of hard yeah. rock. Of course, there's indie and there's punk, pop punk. But in truth, in my free, I mean, my favorite, my second favorite album of all time is John Coltrane's The Love Supreme. I, wow. I know a lot about jazz. I know a lot about electronic music and, of course, rock music. But um, for whatever reason, I seem to have ultimately, and I, and I think it's because it's what's popular aside from actual quote unquote pop music, is I seem to have settled into a place where I cover a lot of rock music and I also cover a lot of physical media type things for Goldmine and stuff like that. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, being capable, you know, ultimately I'll interview a jazz guitarist or a blues guy for a, uh, for guitar world and and i do um you know i've been assigned things there are times where if i'm writing for the print magazine for guitar world the editor might say hey can you track down this guy and interview him and it could be a new wave artist or it's do you want to interview buddy guy or of course there's times where there's a lot of times where i'm pitching things and a lot of that is based on what's filtering through uh you know my email from PR, the deluge of PR that comes right, through, yeah. you know, it's, but I am thankful to have gotten to a point where I have enough steady work where I can, to a certain degree, pick and choose what I cover. And, you know, I'm not one to turn down a great assignment, but, you know, the, there's just only so much I can cover. And, I, you know, I'd love to cover every new artist, but I just, I just don't have time, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah. How did the Rich Robinson article come about? So the way the Rich Robinson article came about. Um, yeah. So the way that happened was last summer, I got in touch with um, Black Crow's PR about potentially interviewing someone in the band. And if my memory serves, it was Isaiah Mitchell, who was the guitarist in the band. Oh, yeah. And I did, oh, yeah. I, I did interview Isaiah. Ultimately, that came out a few months ago, but I had to follow up with him because he had left the band. But anyway. Right. Um, He's probably making more money in Earthless. Most likely. <laughs> he was a, well, I mean, he was, he was a hired gun, right? Everybody outside the big three there are hired yeah. guns. I was Finn might be a hired gun. It might be just Chris and Rich or the. He is. He know. is mostly a hired gun. I mean, he's Finn has been in the band since what ninety seven, but uh, yeah. He's not original, but I mean, he's kind of original-ish. Mm -hmm. But uh, and Isaiah is a great guy, by the way. I love Isaiah, an incredible guitar player. Yeah. And um, 
he's awesome. This stuff, Nerthless, is great, man. It's oh, he, amazing. He shreds. He absolutely does. And uh, I, I ultimately interviewed Isaiah, and um, they were playing a show in Atlantic City. I guess this would have been last July. And uh, the PR team asked me, like, hey, you want to go see the show with Plus One Atlantic City for free? And I said, well, hell yeah, I do. So I ended up, <laughs> no. getting, I ended up getting front row tickets to see the Crows in Atlantic City with Isaiah, and they absolutely kicked ass. And I kept in touch with them. And, um, you know, uh, obviously in the in the time between, I, I, I've been writing for Guitar World. And the Rich Robinson piece, the ten, what was it, the 10 or 11 guitarists that shaped the sound, it's not an isolated piece. I've done like, I don't know, 12 of those those things. It's like an ongoing series. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, the, the Crows aren't really doing press right now, per se. Which but... is crazy. So I'm going to stop the story <laughs> real fast. It's, it's crazy. Our friends do the State of America podcast, which is all Black Crow-centric. And like, mm -hmm. these guys should be out doing press. I, I offered them a, a cover story with a, a, a not another magazine I write for. I won't say which, but they, they're not doing press right now. But, uh, but the thing you about it You gotta stay in the public eye, man. You gotta stay in the public eye. Yeah, well, the Robinson brothers—they don't operate. They, don't, they operate by their own set of rules. <laughs> that is that is very true. But it just it baffles me. Is like, well, I know they just got this Aerosmith, um, you know, goodbye yeah. tour or whatever and stuff, and that's cool. But still, like, I don't know. They operate like it's 1995. A lot of times, yeah. it's like, man, yeah. like people need to have their names out there and like just do shit. Like part of my opinion, Magpie Salute's failing was a little bit. They they didn't press that super hard, man. And that was a good band. But if you, unless you were a crow hardcore fan, you had no idea who those guys were. That's the thing. They they've always been spotty with the press. But I um I don't remember if I saw it in my emails or if I caught it on Facebook. But I mean, as you can imagine, I follow eight eight million different guitar pages. Sure, sure, yeah. And through one of those pages or emails that I'm on, I saw that Rich Robinson and his tech, whose name escapes me right now, started an amp company, Muswell or Mushwell. Muswell, and it's yeah. and it's and it's all uh, you know wood sourced from the deepest, most magical forest ever, and parts <laughs> that are new old stock and vintage transistors and and uh, amazing tubes pulled out of out of mines where tubes grow or what I'm joking, but it's amazing stuff. if you're if you're a if you're an amp person or a guitar person, you're like, oh fuck, yeah, that's awesome. And naturally, I was. and um, but I also realized, I was like, I bet you Rich is going to want to talk about this. And I was right. So I reached out to the Crows PR and I said, hey, uh, I see Rich has a new amp out. I would love to catch his thoughts on the amp, how this came to be, maybe a little bit of arrow talk. And then at the end of it, I want to grab the uh, guitarist that shaped his sound. And of course, you know, they, Rich, I, I think, to your point, they don't they the way they operate is a little weird with with PR. And I I've noticed with certain artists when they get to a certain point, unless you develop a personal relationship with them where I can just text them and be like, hey dude, you wanna you wanna you wanna do an interview with me, which I do have those relationships. Most of these guys 
only only get up when they have something specific to push and sell. Sure. And they don't, and you got to know that a band like the Crows, for example, and another example is Slash with Guns N' Roses. These guys don't, they don't, I mean, you think that, that they'd want to do press in support of the tour, but I think that they, the assumption they operate under is we're the Black Crows. We're going to go out as long as me and Chris are on stage together, people are going to show up. And to be honest, they're probably right. Would it be nice for them to do more press? Yeah, but I think they're really only going to get up. They're more likely to do press over an amp or like a new line of T-shirts or something ridiculous than they are in support of getting on stage with Aerosmith for their final tour. As crazy as that can be. And I dropped the carrot and obviously they went for it. And it was great. Uh, you know, I, I love Rich Robinson. He's a he's a he's every bit as cool as he seems to be. And, one of my favorite uh, guitar players. Absolutely, one of my favorite guitar players. And uh, he's every bit as cool as he as he comes off as. He's he was great. So that's an interesting thing I want to follow up on because the brothers and like so Brian and I are mega Black Crows fans. They are my favorite all time band. So I, any criticism is with love and just like from my perspective of what I'd like to see from a fan. But oh, they yeah. can come off they can come off a little surly and stuff at times. So for you, <laughs> I mean you're talking about a Zam, you're talking about guitarists and stuff. Do you think you got like the the engaged hyped up Rich because of the you're talking about something he's really passionate about? I think so. And not necessarily that he's passionate about his own amps. It, it's it, it's he is he's passionate about guitar gear. Like he's, a he's gear truly drummer. passionate about tone and tube amps. And that's the thing. I mean, Rich Robinson, he's and I also did a, a piece with him on his pedal board, which will end up in the print magazine. And we talked okay. about his pedal board. And, he, and if you look at his pedals, even the pedals that he has, they're all geared toward enhancing his tone not altering yeah. his tone so if you can get him to a place where it's like you know i'm not just gonna pepper you with questions about your relationship with your brother i'm gonna ask you about what you do and why you do it what's your methodology between behind your you know quote unquote simple uh guitar style do you know what i mean and yeah that's why i think i really got him to engage and give a lot and it doesn't always translate in the text, but in my conversation with him, he definitely was was into it. Yeah. Have you seen the rig rundown that he and Mark, Mark Ford had back from the Magpie Salute days? That's that is so awesome. And all the guitars he brings out, he brings out like the the Falcon and yep. all the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Rich Robinson's gear is incredible. Um, I mean, it's it's if you're into that whole, that whole tube amp, Fender Stratocaster, semi hollow body, just uh, vintage vibe, do you know what I mean? That Paisley sort of vibe. Uh, and a lot of that comes from guys like Ronnie Wood and Keith Richards and stuff like that. If that's your vibe, you're going to love that stuff. And I, I love that stuff. And don't get me wrong. I, I love shredders and all that stuff too, but there's just something about, guys like rich robinson and keith richards that guys that can just groove and riff i mean i guess what rhythm guitar players as it were that's like blue collar guitar playing you know yeah there's just something about it, those lunch pail yeah. guys that i just i love that i really do i get the sense that you're talking about talking to rich about guitars and something he's passionate with i get the sense that you 
are a lot like Matt, where you guys don't ask cookie cutter questions, you know, you like, and, and do you think that's something where he was like, he could sense, Hey, this guy wants to talk about guitars and music and whatnot. And that, you know, that's an influence on us too, because we try to be that way too as podcasters, but do you think that played into his willingness to talk to you? Yeah, I do. Uh, there's look, there's no, there's no denying when, when you're dealing with a band like the black crows, or any of these bands, they're going to vet you out. They're not just going to be like, oh, cool. Want to do an interview? Sounds good. They're going to go back and read your stuff. We're never going to get them on, Brian, ever. (laughs) (laughs) And if you, if you, if you have a history of, of um, being the type of journalist that only asks things that are clearly trying to, to go find a headline somewhere, you're not going to get very far. I've always, I've always approached interviews in a way. And I will say a lot of this comes, I have to say, I have to give a lot of credit to Howard Johnson, the editor of rock candy. And he's a, not the the Mets third baseman from the, no, no, not Howard Johnson. No, (laughs) (laughs) Howard, Howard Johnson is uh, one of the original Kerrang guys. And he's the current editor of rock candy. And he's a, he's a journalist that I respect whose style uh i i have always been very taken with and it's i'll call it quasi conversational very witty um unafraid to ask hard questions and and is and is unbothered to ruffle feathers but does so respectfully and the thing is is that he doesn't ask questions that necessarily will elicit an answer that the person could parrot out to anybody but that's the whole thing is you have to, I mean, what's your objective? It depends on who you're writing for, right? If I'm doing an interview, like for example, a great example of this is I interviewed Buddy Guy for the print magazine, Guitar World, about, I don't know, a month ago. And uh, if you didn't know, he's on his farewell tour where he's, yep. he's like he's like almost 90. <laughs> and uh, he's super happy to do it. But his publicist said, just please don't ask Buddy what he thinks the state of blues is because, you know, given that a guy who's almost 90 is embarking on a 150-date sold-out tour, Buddy thinks that the blues is just fine. <laughs> but that's just the thing, right? It, yeah. Artists are so used to being asked questions that are, are um, you know, softballs and, like, kind of dopey sometimes just to get a headline that... I think they get defensive like that. And to your point, I think a guy like Rich, uh, if you don't go in there prepared or you come off as you don't know what you're talking about or you're trying to use him for a headline, I have no doubt that he will eat you alive. So was the process the same to be able to talk to Buddy Guy as Rich? Um, And it's interesting, especially for us, because... You know, granted, the, the Crows aren't a Southern rock band, but they are Southern and blues-based, so to be, able to be able to talk to you about Rich and Buddy Guy is, is awesome. So is that the same process to, if you want to get that interview with Buddy Guy, that the same process as getting in touch with Rich? Yeah, I mean, with Buddy Guy, I mean, sometimes, I mean, it's a good thing. It's a good place to be where you're established enough where when you reach, I mean, uh, you reach out to a PR company or a management company, they'll answer your email. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that only comes from having a track record. Like 
if I send an email to Buddy Guy's PR team, which I did, which I think it's available on his website, yeah. I think. I think that's how I got to it. Um, obviously, they're going to look at it and say, okay, Andrew Daly, let me throw it in Google. Okay, he writes for Guitar World, Metal Edge. He's not a jerk off. Okay. And then they'll say, okay, Buddy's happy to do it. Where are you going to place the interview? Blah, blah, blah. And the process goes from there. And then it's a matter of me figuring out where I'm going to place it. Obviously, Buddy Guy is going to be Guitar World. Uh, as long as it's approved by the editor, which it was. Um, the pro It's the same process, more or less. I mean, with Rich, it was nuanced because I knew the Crows weren't doing press. I knew that they don't get up for interviews almost ever. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But I also knew that he had a product that he that had an association with something that is basically what defines him, which is tone. Uh, so I knew he'd be into it. With Buddy... I just knew that he's on a farewell tour and I knew that it was worth covering on a big scale. And so I reached out and lo and behold, uh, he said, yes. You, you did miss one opportunity with Rich is his overwhelming stage volume. If you've ever <laughs> well, I, I, well, I know where it comes from. And that's the other thing is you haven't seen the pedal. Uh, board thing. I know why it's like that. And it's because he uses something called an angry troll pedal, which you, you've got some guitars on the wall back there. You yeah. probably know what it is. It's a boost pedal. Um, he, his stage volume's massive. You and feel people, his stage volume. Yeah. If you're on his side of the stage, you feel yep. it. Yeah. I, I heard it. I was in front of Rich Robinson last year and it was, it was uh, uh, brain rattling. But yeah, it's that angry troll boost pedal. That thing's a monster. I think he's got a swollen pickle on there too, a way huge mm -hmm. swollen pickle and uh, a couple other, uh, I think he's got a volume pedal too. I, I don't think it's an Ernie Ball volume pedal, but he's got um, got a volume pedal too. I can't remember the brand, but it's that angry troll. That that thing, I don't know if, you, I don't know if you've ever seen an angry troll pedal. It's literally, I haven't. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to go to Sweetwater's it's website. Literally, it's, it's literally, it's a kick-ass pedal. And... Um, I got one from the guitar shop in New York City, and it's a boost pedal. So it's not a drive pedal, and it's not a distortion pedal. It literally is a boost pedal. Dull volume. But the cool thing about it is, is that it, I think it's got two knobs on it, and then it's got a, um, a true bypass switch. But one of the knobs is literally like, I guess it's the ang I think it's the anger knob and it literally <laughs> has like punching like little images of punching fists and the more you you turn the pedal up the more fist punches it gets I think that's the angrier <laughs> the angrier volume <laughs> yeah. but yeah it's uh if you get an angry troll and you have a tube amp and you hook it up to said tube amp like you should probably stand like literally like like 20 feet away because you're gonna you're gonna blow yourself out of your shoes i know from experience i i did it <laughs> that sounds like it's named after somebody on social media <laughs> yeah the angry troll <laughs> <laughs> also with the punches would make a lot of sense too if that were you know it's, it's an awesome pedal it, it's one of those way huge pedals that they just had like these big big boxes with cool names they have like the purple platypus and the and it's always nice artwork on those things like that's always a point of pride for people like to design those things and like i've yeah. seen like the aluminum falcon guitar pedal which looks like the millennium falcon and like all sorts of yeah that's that's a whole that's a whole conversation like at the art of like pedals 
You know, another, like, yeah, man. And like it's and all the custom pedals that are out there. It's it's an amazing thing. Uh, you did like going back into the tone discussion, though, Rich did in your at least the part of your article that's published um, talks about feeling it and like why he likes to use a tube amp versus a solid state, because it is there's a m more push with it, both giving back like response to the guitar player. And then I think the, the feel of it completely get that. And I think that goes to some of the, the, the uh, volume that he uses as well. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and I can relate to that. And, uh, you know, I myself, I, I love tube amps. Um, and I think my, my affinity for guitar players like Rich Robinson and Keith Richards and stuff like that. I mean, you know, Keith Richards is a longtime user of the Fender Tweed amps and the Vox amps. And obviously, you know, Rich, he loves his Marshalls, his, uh, his mm -hmm. Breakers. I mean, who doesn't? So that, you know, my affinity for those type of players uh, informs, you know, um, my own love for tube amps. And uh, so I, I totally got where he's coming from. It makes perfect sense. I mean, it's one of those things, though. I, I mean, I read some of the comments on, on the Rich Robinson thing, and it's like for every person that, that believes in, in the push of a tube amp and the, the something about the tone wood and all those different things, there's the person that, that doesn't believe any of it and just says, oh, a solid, a solid state or a modeling amp is all we really need. It's, it's different schools of thought, but um, I happen to resonate most with riches. Yeah, and I completely get that because I've used um, solid state amps before and you, there is, I mean, there is, there is a little bit more coming back response to the player. And if you're a professional guy like Torrent, like uh, I completely get it now. I'm going to fess up and say, as I've gotten older <laughs> and playing shows, going solid state's a lot easier on my back. It's more versatile. And like, I'm using an orange crutch 60 now. And I, the dirty and the clean setting, both are really good. It's got kind of everything I need on top of it. I use a simple flywheel, um, multi, kind of a multi, well, I'll pull it out. That's what I'm doing. That's all the ruckus. <laughs> but yeah, it's a sand sand fly rig, and I just it's got a delay, it's got a reverb, it's got um, essentially a boost, a tuner, and then you've got a plexi uh, amp setting that you can run on it. And like Richie Cotson has his own brand of this, and like I don't, I don't do a lot of crazy stuff. So that orange sixty solid state plus this fly rig is good for me. But I'm not a world famous guitar player playing the world, and I don't have roadies lifting my stuff for me. <laughs> Yeah, no, the orange, the orange stuff, the orange solid states are, are really good. Uh, I know a lot of people will feel that orange solid states are the closest you can get to a tube amp sound out there. That's debatable. I, I had up until about this past Sunday, um, a 30 watt orange crush and i loved it i, lo I loved the amp it, it was a great amp well, you're wearing an orange shirt right now i am i am wearing an orange shirt <laughs> i uh, i had that and the reason i let it go honestly is because two weeks ago i i purchased a um mesa boogie Fillmore 25 and it's just i i and the reason i bought that is because i recently grabbed um one of those painted guitar company, Keith Richards, Macabre Telecasters. And when I tested it out at the store, I plugged it into one of those film wars and I just fell in love with it. 
And so I, that kind of started my whole restarted my two band journey. And I, I bought that. And then of course I had the orange crush and the Mesa boogie. And then I got it in my head. I was like, well, I'd really love to do an amp comparison between a fender tube blues junior and this Mesa. And so I ultimately sold the, the orange crush along with a couple pedals and picked up a used blues junior, but I'll get another orange amp again. It's only a matter of time just because why not? They're awesome. You know, got to have every got to have different flavors to draw upon, you know, <laughs> you got for sure. And again, I, I like the orange because between the dirty and the clean setting, like the clean setting sounds good. I've played an acoustic electric through the clean setting and it's, it's, you know, it's not an acoustic guitar amp, but it, it bakes it pretty well in a, in a crutch where you're not, you know, playing in a bar, you're not bringing three different amps with you. Yeah, the clean setting on the orange with maybe the, the reverb. Little reverb, yep. A little bit of reverb, up maybe a quarter of the way there. It's a great pedal platform, too. I mean, it's the dirty, the dirty channel is really cool. It, it almost is, you really don't even need to plug in a distortion pedal with nope. the dirty channel, which not is pretty, at all, no. pretty cool, I will say. But the clean channel is great, too. Um, really great pedal platform, uh, I noticed. And one of the things I did like about it, it's, maybe it's a little cheesy, maybe not. I, I liked the tuner on the uh, on the 30. I, I it was uh, That was actually like when I was thinking about getting rid of it, I was like, ooh, I don't really want to lose this built-in tuner. I kind of like this, but it's okay. Yeah, two bands don't have those. <laughs> yeah, two bands don't have those, but that's okay. <laughs> so... We talked about Rich Robinson, buddy guy. Um, is there anyone like in, if we're going to call it the Southern rock genre or blues rock, uh, maybe newer bands or some of the younger bands coming from the Southeast, is there anyone that, that you've been into or, or talked to or whether it's someone that's been around as long as Blackberry Smoke or, you know, Jason's wearing them Dirty Roses shirt. I'm wearing the Georgia Thunderbolts. Anyone, Tyler Bryant, the Shakedown, anybody that's. Yeah. I um... your attention. I yeah, in the last year or so, I really got into Blackberry Smoke. Oh um, yeah, I'd always known about Blackberry Smoke, um, and again, I you know Charlie Starr in particular, especially I know he's buddies with the guys in the crew. He's even played with them a little bit here or there. Yep. Um, but I last summer I I finally like sat down and listened to the entire Whip Orwell. Mm -hmm. that's how you pronounce it record and i was like oh my god this is this is awesome it's so good i mean uh so them and i mean obviously whiskey myers is a, i i really mm -hmm. like whiskey myers um i've been into them for a you know quite a bit but it's there's a lot of really good bands in that scene um i'm trying to think uh goodbye june Goodbye June is really good. I got to look up this one, uh, something in the jive. Uh, what, uh, what God, is Mother Mary. God, Mother Mary. God, Mother Mary is, yeah, they're really good. Um, Jason Kane and the jive. Jason, oh. Kane, Jason Kane and the jive are really cool. I, uh, I don't remember how I stumbled upon them, but I, I ultimately interviewed Jason. I don't know, maybe. I've heard ago. of that band, but I'm not familiar with the music. I've heard the name. It's really good stuff. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just dirty, kind of bluesy, southerny rock uh, with a lot of energy. He almost, uh, aesthetic-wise, 
not not personally wise he gives off a young ted nugent look vibe like the way he looks he, you know he's got like that that he's got a little that, wild like, he's got that like wild uh 70s i'm gonna yeah. jump around on stage with a coonskin cap and and, and just suspenders <laughs> yeah he does so look like Jason, a young ted nugent <laughs> he does right <laughs> jason kane in the drive uh, uh a lot of energy he's a really good guitar player uh great riffs really kind of just a really punchy, good, bluesy Southern rock. Uh, he's one I can really recommend uh, to anybody who hasn't heard of him. Jared James Nichols, who we've had on the podcast, is great, man. If you like you're talking about Ted Nugent, like that dude's an animal. He's great. I love Jared James Nichols. He's uh, he's outstanding. And, uh, you know, I, I will say, as far as blues guys go, I'm a big Rory Gallagher fan. And there's Ooh. a guy, there's a guy that um, I just got, I got turned on to literally within the last day or so and his name's dom martin and uh what's that dom, dom martin you said dom martin and um i i don't i can't recall i literally have only been into him for less than 24 hours so i can't so this is pretty cool that we're talking about this but i don't <laughs> i i want to say these irish but i actually i don't actually don't know that i might just be wanting him to be because he's so much like rory gallagher <laughs> but um he's literally like if you listen to him and maybe pull up some YouTube videos of him later, and I think he actually does Rory Gallagher color covers, it's like Rory Gallagher. Well, that's that's high praise. I won't go as far as to say Rory Gallagher reborn, but he's a whole hell of a lot like Rory Gallagher. So Dom Martin, if you like, if you like really good blues rock, um, but also an artist who can like key in on like soulful deep acoustic mm -hmm. stuff dom martin he's gonna be one to watch for a really long time it's really good if he's from the uk there brian and i are finding out there's a really good southern rock and blues scene going on in europe right now uk and then some of the other countries doomsday outlaw the wolf there's a there's a handful of bands are just you wouldn't oh yeah you would think they're american bands oh yeah and I just looked it up. Don Martin is from Belfast, Ireland. So it's there, the, the, the Rory Gallagher uh, prophecy has been fulfilled. That's very good. <laughs> <laughs> He's great. Uh, yeah. No, the UK has got a great, a great hard rock scene right now. Uh, uh, Tristan Thomas from Florence Black. They're not really bluesy so much, but it's, it's like just good hard rock. I mean, there's a lot of really good stuff going on. Um, Another guy that comes to mind as far as blues go, and he's not necessarily super young, but he's just another one that I was turned on to recently is Eric Johannesson. Yeah. And, um, he's yep. awesome. I think he's almost a... my last name. Very yeah. close. Not yeah. quite close. <laughs> he's got a new album coming out, I think, I think in July. And it's really high energy. I, I talked with him about it about two weeks ago and, um, I think really? Samantha Fish is going to go out on tour with them in the fall winter. Yeah, right? That announcement just came out. Yeah. He is yeah. going to go out on tour. And and Samantha Fish is another one. I mean, and, in, and now speaking of, of, of female blues rockers, I, I have to shout out Allie Venable from Texas. Yes. Yep. Um, she's great. She's, she's, she's awesome. I mean, she's like, what, 22 or 23? What she's She did doing. a song with like Bonamassa. Like Bonamassa's taking her under her, his wing. She's got Buddy Guy on her new album. And one of the coolest things about her, I interviewed her about a year ago. And, um, you know, you never know because she's so young. You don't know. I've interviewed young artists who are like, it's talent. But, you know, you can tell that it, they're not fully evolved mentally yet. 
but she she was what what always stands out to me is, is she plays a, she's like this small you know petite girl but she plays this big heavy Les Paul and I asked her I was like that's an unusual choice for you know that's a heavy instrument to have slung over your shoulder um, and she's like oh. and then she went into the reasons why and apparently that magenta Les Paul that she plays is a like a 94 or 95 custom shop and she specifically sought that out because she knew that the wood the custom shop was using at Gibson in the mid 90s was almost supposedly as good as those 58 59 models. Hmm. So that's a pro tip and and Paul Stanley of Kiss told me that same thing. His last Paul is a 94. He has a 58 and a 59 but he said his best guitar that he uses on a lot of like studio stuff is a 94 or less Paul. So pro tip, if you can't afford a 58 or 59, like most of us go out and find a 94 or a 95 Gibson less Paul, and you'll probably be pleasantly surprised. Well, son of a gun now. So everybody's going to listen to this and we're going <laughs> to flood the market it. and the prices are going to, I'm on, like I'm on reverb right now. looking at prices. I just ruined it. I just ruined it. <laughs> everybody's well, going to go out and buy all the angry trolls and 94 less Paul's. <laughs> This, this this interview is going to come out tomorrow. So, Brian, like, give me a heads up. I got to make sure I get my final shopping. Yeah. Before. Buy your 94 and 95 tonight, guys, because tomorrow they're all going to be gone. They're all, all going to be. You'll be like, uh, you're speak- welcome, Gibson. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome, We need Gibson. a cut. We get a cut. <laughs> Speaking of female blues players, though, and Joe Bonamassa, uh, one of our great friends from the podcast who's been on a couple times that we love, Leilani Kilgore. If you've not checked out her she's stuff, she's amazing, dude. You should see her play live. She's amazing. I, I don't remember. You know, she followed. She followed me on Instagram. I don't know, maybe in the fall. And you should talk to her. Talk to I her. Did, I did. She sent me. Uh, she sent me a message, and she's like, "Hey, can you check my music out?" I think she saw that I'd interviewed Allie. And maybe, okay. um, and she's like, "Hey, you can check my music out." And I said, "Yeah, sure, cool, I'll check it out." And I was like, "Wow, this she can really play." And then I went on YouTube, and she's amazing. And I, I ended up interviewing her for um, uh, Classic Rock History at the time. But she's she's one to watch. She's incredibly talented. She's got the vibe, the voice, the, the mm-hmm. chops. She's everything. She's incredible. Uh, I've recommended her before, and. Um, one last guitarist I, I will recommend, and he's he's sort of he's he's hard rock, but he also does blues and he does a lot of different things. Is uh, Luke Stamenkovich? He's an Australian guitar player, and um, he actually just recently did a cover of uh, Steve Stevens' um, uh, Atomic Playboys song from the eighties. Yeah, and Todd Kearns sung on it. I don't know how he—I forget how he hooked Todd up. Todd Kearns. With, yeah, he hooked up with Todd Kearns, and it's like it's making some noise enough where he told me he's gonna—he's gonna be moving to LA. Uh, he's coming over to the states. So Luke Stamenkovich, hes an Australian guitarist, um, like a thin, wiry guy with like kind of blondie dyed hair, but he plays a Les Paul custom and a electric blue Strat. He's a really good guitar player super talented uh if you're into guitar and you want to watch somebody um aside from um miss kilgore definitely keep an eye on luke stomachovich he's great absolutely great have you heard jack's hollow as well no i haven't i haven't i will 
she can shred her first album um was the last album that was produced by michael wagner mm. and it's a little bit shreddy it's a little bit like she can shred like legitimate so there's a couple songs like that and then her new album that just came out um is a little bit more brian how would you describe it maybe americana, americana like, very she pulls back on some of her guitar playing more better vocals so ch check her out jacks hollow h-o-l-l-o-w she's also a favorite of ours been on a couple times and she that um her last album just came out uh, only the wild ones uh last month i'll check her out i just plugged her into my like google search here so i can dig into her a little bit after we wrap up and she's doing a mini tour um some of our other favorites are like bourbon house out of wisconsin they're they're like led zeppelin-y but with a female singer which kind of makes makes a lot of sense they're good uh brian's a big fan of mojo thunder out of kentucky i mean and then another another one that comes to mind is uh jackie venson you guys probably yeah. know jackie yeah, venson. Yeah, yeah. she's an absolute she's great she's cool too she's she's like an anti-hero of guitar almost she didn't start playing until she was like almost 20 and uh, she goes up there and, and plays with Epiphones and uses Kempers and says, I don't need two bands from real Gibsons. I can, I can, I can do anything anybody can do with a Kemper and an Epiphone. But I mean, Rich she's Robinson would hate her. Rich <laughs> <Robinson would> hate her. <laughs> yeah. The tone hounds will, won't like that, but I mean, listen to her music. I mean, it, she's a great guitar player, very soulful. And she injects a lot of really interesting touches into her music. Uh, uh, Brian, Aaron Coburn out of Ohio, Cincinnati, Aaron, E-R-I-N-C-O-B-U-R-N, a uh, female, young, she's like 20 or 21 now, can get after it. And she does, her live shows are very much more blues, but her original music is more, almost like modern Rocky, but she, like, she can, she can get after it. What's she the guitarist really that play. she plays with the fan frets? Oh, and then their head, headless, uh, the, um, oh... Stein. Stein. Oh, the Steinberg. Yeah. Yes. The Vito. Or Strand Strandberg. 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 Yeah. Uh, you would like her, Andrew. I think if you check out Aaron Coburn, and I'll, I'll I can chat you this stuff later on. So yeah, you know, shoot it to, know, me, after, to, shoot it to me after, so I can I can dig into it after. I'm always down for new music. It's and we love to help our friends out too, and <laughs> you know put put them on the path of great rock journalists to help get their names out <laughs> even more. I'm always... Our podcast goes so far, you know. I, I always try. I mean, it's one of those things. Uh, if I, you know, if I, if, if a young artist catches my, my ear, I mean, you get, I get a lot of uh, pitches from people messaging me things on Facebook and, and Instagram and stuff like that. Not like millions, but uh, you know, a few a week. And yeah, a lot of it is like, okay, whatever. But every once in a while, something comes through and I'm like, wow, this is actually really cool. I, I need to I need to cover this or kind of earmark it to circle back on it later because it's, it's worth it. And Liliana Kilgore is definitely one of those that, that popped up in the last year, as is uh, Luke Stamankovich. Those, those two stick out. She is, I mean, she's a good, she's a really good speaker, like engaging. We did a guitar player round table. We do like an annual one. This year we did a female one. We had Leilani Jacks and Aaron Coburn and, we talked to Leilani ahead of time, like, hey, Brian and I are going to lay back. And, like, you're really good. Like, you're going to be the facilitator of the conversation. So we're just kind of here. She knocked it out of the park. Man, she's just she's just cool. Yeah, absolutely. She was super engaging when I talked to her. Very well spoken. Yeah. Uh, for a young person, you know, like, really mature. Yeah. 
absolutely. I've, I've reached out to to uh, to Allie Venable before. I'll have to put in a better effort because definitely want to get her on. Well, kind of what Andrew was talking about earlier, like how do you how do you get these guys or whatever when you like um, we were at Rock and Pot a couple years ago, Nashville, Brian and I were, and I sat in a seminar from a PR firm. It's like, hey, how to get you know recognized or whatever. So I created a form letter. It's like this is our podcast. We're number one in our genre because we're the only combined blues and Southern rock podcast <laughs> secret, but true. You know, we have 140 plus shows. We're available on all the platforms with links to platforms. We've had, we've had guests like Charlie Starr, Steve Gorman, Kevin, like, you know, like throwing names out and like, you know, this is what we do. We try to shoot for an hour. We hear conversational format. It's not like, you know, and it's helped tremendously with PR firms getting back to us. You know, we had Larkin Poe on and, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's a really, you got really got to market it in a good way, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, it's, that's, that's one of the things I think a lot of people, it's a good point. I mean, uh, what be it print journalism or, or video or podcast journalism, all these different types of stuff. It, I think people don't realize how, how hard it is. Um, you know, it's a, I call it, it's a, a post to post process, meaning, you know, a lot of people think, oh, that's that's easy. You, you get paid and you just write an article. And I'm like, you don't realize how hard this is. <laughs> it's not easy. Um, you know, you can get your chops up where you do it all the time and it becomes second nature in a lot of ways. But, I mean, you got to go out and solicit the interview. Either You're either, I mean, it's one of two ways. You're either cold calling somebody or you had to work really hard to get onto a PR list where it's dropped in your lap. And then you still have to go through your paces with the PR firm to make it happen. Uh, right. And then, of course, you've got to conduct the interview and then you've got to transcribe the interview. Or for you guys, it's probably more like video editing and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but and then after the fact, you have to promote it. Now, obviously, you know, if you're writing for an outlet like Guitar World, in some ways, it sort of promotes itself. But yeah, I, yeah. I still promote the hell out of my stuff because I'm proud of it. And it, and it, it reflects good on me with the publication where it's like, Hey, I'm proud to be writing for you so much so that I'm going to promote it and put it out there myself. In addition to, I'm not just going to let your, your net uh, drag in the response. I'm going to help too, but it's, it's a post to post process. It's, it's, um, there's a lot that goes into it to, you know, to market yourself and, and, and get what you're doing out there. Yeah, you got to catch PR or managers or the or the, you know the people's um, attention for what you do. And it was good advice. I've used it, and you know, um, we don't have the name to go on quite like Metal Edge or Guitar World yet. But one day, all things blues and Southern rock is going to be right there, neck and neck. With <laughs> and I found out about you, I think through I think either Matt Wake or Matt Wardlaw. Somebody had you know on Twitter like. Yeah. Boost your thing and i read i'm like hey if this person's recommended i like them i respect them i read it. i'm like man you're and i've been following your stuff and uh i you know you're somebody too i've now anytime there's an article out um whether it's a subject i may be interested in or, or not i'm gonna read it because you you just like the other mats do a great job well i really appreciate that you know it, it's a it's a source of pride i like to think that my work is reflecting to you know how hard it, I, uh, I work to make it that way. You know, I take it seriously. You know, I, I think some people, you know, nobody in particular, but I think that there are, are writers out there who, who take it for granted and they just, 
you know, and they don't they don't go full on with it. I, I take every piece, whether it's a thousand word piece or a full blown cover story. I take it all the way there every time. At least I try to. That's the intent. You know, it's the same level of effort every time. And I just hope that's reflected. And I mean, as far as Matt and Matt are concerned, especially Matt Wake, you know, he's a buddy of mine. He's one of the best guys in this business. He he's been a. Uh, you know, we, we connected through social media, uh, through being writers and Matt is always, Matt's probably maybe 15 years older than me. And he's somebody that, um, I've always really respected and I saw the way that he went about it. And it was a really great example of not necessarily the way he writes because there's differences in how we write. Um, but, and he's great, but I think more in the way he carries himself and, um, the way he treats people. And he's very good to, uh, other writers who are up and coming. He's the kind of guy that if you reach out to him and you ask him for a piece of advice, he he gives it selflessly. Oh, I've done it. Yeah, I've done it after a couple podcasts, just like because I'm, you know, Brian and I aren't journalists, and we feel off about something. I run it by Matt, and he gives good advice. Oh yeah, and it's that's a model that I've I've followed. You know, there are other writers who come to me for advice. You know, there's people that used to write for my website that still ask me like, hey, can you please read my piece and give me some feedback i just did it last night you know i i had i think i cranked out five different thousands of words pieces over the course of the day but i i still made time at the end of the day to do that because i believe in, in giving back i wouldn't be where i am today not just my own hard work but there's been other veteran journalists who have helped me and and given me a leg up and recommended me and said hey you know andrew's a good writer you know, I can recommend him, uh, you know, I want to introduce you. And I wouldn't be here without guys like, you know, Matt Wake. And another guy is a, a fellow named Larry Jaffe, who's a long-term writer. So guys like that are, are the people that I respect and who I modeled myself after in terms of how they carry themselves. And uh, if you, it's the old adage, if you, if you do things the right way and you, and you treat people good and you're honest, then you're usually going to, things are usually going to work out as long as you have, you know, talent to actually do what you're trying to do, of course. Well, that's how Brian. You can want to play guitar, but if you can't play guitar, it's not going to work out. <laughs> if you can't play guitar, play bass like me. Hey, I play drums and guitar, so what are you going to do? <laughs> well, Brian started like he, you know, his, and he started this as a conversational format, and it's great because he comes at it like this as a curious person. Says, hey, I'm, I'm going to get a chance to talk to somebody. I, you know, I want to be able to connect and ask the things that, right, that you're interested in. I've kind of picked up from how he goes about his business, yeah. and that's kind of our approach. Is like we're just like with you is like we're just going to sit and talk, and whenever it comes up, comes up, and if something interesting comes up, we're going to follow that a little bit more. I think that's the best way to go about an interview. I mean any interview. I mean, I, and I think that's even something I do. I, I think that that's probably, you mentioned how Matt has a reputation for asking off the beaten path questions. And I, I have that same reputation. <clears throat> and um, that was something I always instinctually did. And a lot of it was because I didn't go to school to be a journalist. I don't have a degree or I don't have a master's degree in anything. <laughs> but uh, so I started doing this. I literally took the perspective of somebody who loves music and i'm just like wow i'm gonna interview bruce Kulick today i would love to know about the, his banana guitar i would love yeah. to know rich robinson i would love to know these things and i still obviously now being experienced and being you know quote unquote professional i uh 
you know, when you're covering a certain thing, there's certain questions you have to ask. Right. That are obligatory. And of course, if your editor says, please ask this or please include this, you do. Or they're marketing something. You got to get to that. On the, you know, yeah. But a lot of it is just honestly curiosity, you know, and I'm, I'm proud of that. You know, I, I was talking to Anita Strauss. Um, Speaking of good female guitar players. Yeah, I was talking to Anita Strauss couple of weeks ago and at the end of it you know i talked to nita a bunch of times she's awesome and uh at the end of it she's like i always enjoy talking to you you always ask such insightful interesting questions and i was like oh thank you but uh that it, it comes from a place of of just me being curious and uh trying to get to the core of a person's intent of why they are the way they are why they did these things what was the emotional reason behind it rather than just hey why'd you argue with that guy and break up so i can get a headline <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, if that stuff comes up and, the, and, and they're going to talk about it, obviously it's my job to follow up on it, but I don't go in there fishing and saying, all right, I'm going to go into this interview with Dave Mustaine and we're going to talk about, you know, X, Y, Z and talk about that. Metallica and get kicked yeah. out of Metallica and how that felt. We're going to get a headline. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's more about, it's more about um, going with the flow of conversation and, and remaining you know, genuinely curious. And I think that's the key to asking, you know, those off the beaten path questions, you know, let your curiosity uh, flow. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, like Matt, besides Matt, I think there's only other one other interview I've read with any Skid Row members where they didn't ask about Sebastian Bach, Matt and like one other guy, everybody that's like fucking, those guys, I feel so bad for them. They're gonna I didn't ask, answer I didn't that ask. question all the time. <laughs> it's like, get over it, people. I didn't ask. You, got, I, you can look up my, my Snake Sabo interview with Guitaro yeah. in the fall. No Sebastian Bach. <laughs> I didn't bother. <laughs> I did ask him a question about subhuman race and a bunch of other random stuff. Oh, he, what? That's... He, was like, he was like, what? What are we talking about? And I was like, yeah, subhuman race. And he was like, this, okay, let's do it. Like, <laughs> Subhuman race, uh, Warren's Dog Eat Dog, and then Winger's oh, yeah. um, third album all came out at that terrible transition point where grunge was dominant and these were amazing hard albums mm -hmm. from band well skid row you could but anyways like harder than expected cool albums from people you wouldn't really thought that came from yeah yeah you could i would add uh motley Crue's john karabi album to that list kisses yep. carnival souls album these uh sort of weird outlier albums that um came out in that era i, I don't know i i kind of I, I kind of like those albums. They're, they're in a vacuum. They're their own thing. But it's uh, I do. I those are examples of the things I like to ask artists about because they're interesting and there there's a really there's obviously something really odd and interesting and and off the beaten path that was going on in the band or with those artists at that time for stuff like that to happen. And you know, using Skid Row as an example. I mean, how how long can we really talk about 18 in life before, right. you know what I mean? Or how long can we ask about Sebastian Bach? But, you know, it's all out there, you know, and it, it doesn't it, it, it doesn't serve anybody to keep doing that. It's 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 boring. And mm -hmm. look, if they're promoting the 30th anniversary of the album okay let's talk about it but i'm gonna ask you some really weird questions about it that you didn't you've never asked before if we're gonna do that i'm not just gonna say so how was it to write 18 in life you know i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna ask remember some, when you're on mtv that was yeah. cool. <laughs> i'm gonna ask some cool questions and but that's why i like to dig it when i can 
I love to ask those questions that are like weird, like like asking Snake Sabo about subhuman race. He was like, "What?" Because I'm like, it's like, why not? Because it's out there, and that ultimately you've just you you've you've not only exposed something that people sort of overlook, but you've also just put new information out there for fans to talk about. And the cool thing about it is, like, let's just say I interview Snake Sabo and I talk about subhuman race and. Who the hell knows what he's going to say because nobody's asking about it. So it's like, well, here we go. Let's find out what's going to happen. And then let's say Matt and Wake interviews Snake a week later. Now he can follow up on it. And, and you're that's how that's how you sort of breathe new life into the media cycle rather than perpetuating the same crap. So that's a big part about of like what I how I approach it. Not necessarily actively, but inherently, I think. And I, I think a guy like 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 the Matts, uh, Matt Wardlow and Matt Wake, they do the same thing too. And there's other guys that do it too, and girls as well. But I guess to me, that's the best way. And I assume you guys probably try to do things like that too. Ask questions to try to get answers that aren't just parroted out that you could look up on a Wikipedia Stuff page. we want to know, like, right, Brian? Like the, the podcast format is great because it's complete auto- – like – we can do whatever we want. We've got as much time as people. Allow. So you can get what's they call long form interviews. It allows us the freedom. And like, again, like Brian's point out with your writing, that's the style of our interviews is like, we're just going to ask questions that we're interested about. When I'm reaching out to guests, I literally say, like, I'll say, can we get an interview? And I'm like, well, you know what? We like to call them chats because the interview just sounds too formal. It yep. just does. And so, you know. And, you know, there's, you know, a good number of people that, you know, we can shoot a message to or on a regular basis and they answer and just talking as friends, you know. Yeah. And it's, that's been great. That's been so rewarding. Yeah, that's definitely been one of the cool things that, that I've experienced, too. I've I won't I won't name drop anybody, but I've become friends with a lot of these people that I, I've interviewed. Like we we just we just text like about things yeah. like friends like <laughs> but if you and, didn't uh, have that interview with them very conversational and different you're probably not going to have that connection and that's the thing you know that i can't tell you how many times and it doesn't happen every time there's times sure, and i'm sure. sure you've been there too where it's like it's pleasant but it's professional and then there's those yep. ones where you just don't connect and it's weird and who knows why <laughs> and then, but then there's those times where like you know the, the the interview's over and it's like you just talk for another 45 minutes because you just yep. you you just became like bros or something. And it's, yeah. I don't know why it's a cool thing that happens. And it's definitely not something that I ever thought was going to happen when I, you know, endeavored to be a rock journalist, but it, it's been a really cool thing that has happened. I'm definitely thankful for it. I mean, if you told me when I was eight years old that I'd be friends with some of these guys and girls, it would be like, what? Like it, it wouldn't, my little brain wouldn't have been able to fathom such a thing. <laughs> And I don't mind name dropping because I know they wouldn't mind, but the, one of the most surprising things is becoming friends with Greg Martin and Richard Young from the Kentucky Headhunters, who are more That's of cool. a blues band than a country band. <laughs> That's been cool. But anyway, Jason, is it that time of the show? All right, um, Andrew, th we always like to do these stupid questions at the end if you're game. I'm game. Let's do it. Okay. So we 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 talked a lot about Lilani Kilgore. She's also provided us some questions for this. So we're going to start with some of her. Right. Okay. <clears throat> making a bowl of cereal, do you first put the cereal in the bowl and then the milk, or do you put the milk in the bowl and then the cereal on top? Oh man, there's only one way to do it. You got to put the cereal in first. I I can't even picture 
like dumping cereal and well here's the thing how, how do you know how much milk to put in without the cereal in the bowl right because if you put too much milk in then you run the risk of not having enough cereal <laughs> yes the only time that is acceptable is if you're refilling your bowl after a while yeah. and there's milk left in it then you put it on then but then you pour more milk well here yeah i was gonna say do you pour more milk <laughs> well so it, you usually have to because it's too yeah. dry do you have a do you have a favorite breakfast cereal Oh God, it's cinnamon toast crunch all day, every day. Yes! That's, Brian, yes! that's Brian. I'll eat a whole box. I, I have done so and I will do again, eat an entire box of cinnamon toast crunch for dinner. I'll do it. I'll do it again. I don't care. <laughs> there is something enjoyable about breakfast food or particularly cereal for dinner. Oh, it's it's it. so good. <laughs> that's like one of those things like if I'm alone, like my, you know, my girlfriend isn't here or something, it's like, all right, I can cook, but you know, it's like, all right, it's either going to be, why? yeah, why? It's, either, it's like, all right, it's either going to be a whole box of Velveeta or an entire box or an entire box of, of cinnamon toast crunch. That's dinner. That's my standard Andrew's alone dinner. <laughs> yeah. I used to uh, pre COVID be on business trips a lot and, you know, you spend all week having to eat out and stuff and I would come home and I'd be like, all I want is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a bowl of cereal. Well, do you skip your jiff? Skippy or Jif? Uh, I'm a Jif guy and I like crunchy. Oh, oh are you my. Skippy? I'll skippy all day. Uh, <laughs> what the hell are you guys eating in Long Island? That's Skippy. At least it's not Peter Pan. Ooh, Peter Pan's weird. It's like cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, all right. The second Leilani Kilgore question is, when you put on your shoes in the morning or whenever it is, do you put your shoes and socks on one foot and then you move the other foot, shoes and socks, or do you put your socks on each foot and then your shoes on each foot? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely a socks on first and then the shoes because, I don't know, I have this weird thing. Like, if I have jeans on, I don't like to walk around without socks. It feels like a weird naked thing i don't know what that it's weird like I, I mean if i have the jeans on the socks have to be on you know what i mean <laughs> so i definitely have to slip the boots on or the sneakers so it's sock sock shoe shoe no yeah sock sock shoe shoe do people do that they put the they go barefoot and then they bring the socks to the to the shoe area <sighs> that's what we're trying to, to suss out is like her her thoughts on those questions were like that's how you're trying to figure out if somebody's a psychopath or not if you put yeah. milk in and then the cereal and then if you do shoes and socks on one foot and then the other that's like warning signs i think that that's like you're definitely a sociopath or uh <laughs> yeah you know what i mean like what are those people the, those people that are like narcissists or, or uh or uh uh, sociopaths, whatever. Narcissistic, so well, aren't yeah. psych psychopaths oh. narcissistic or whatever that? They probably know. are. They probably have probably. narcissistic tendencies. So we'll go sociopath. If you if you get up in the morning and and go downstairs in jeans with no socks on, dump cereal into a bowl of milk, and then go put your socks and your boots on, you're probably a sociopath. And you you're murdering that. and eating somebody that day. You're definitely murdering. <laughs> <eating somebody. laughs> your body parts in the deep freeze. Definitely. That's definitely what that's what's for dinner. <laughs> what is what is your favorite frozen pizza? Oh man. All right. So this is a this is tough, you know what I mean? Because it's like a nostalgia answer. And I think we know yeah. what it is. Elio's. Stone or Tony's? Oh, what is it? Elio's. 
Is that an East Coast thing? Oh, it's does. If you if you grew up in New York and Long Island and you didn't eat Elio's, okay. You, I don't know what kind of childhood you had, but here's the thing about Elio's, and you're gonna have to ask. You should probably add this to your list of questions because Elio's. If you flip the Elio's over, there's like a dotted line on it. You're supposed to, like, they come in like this, like, you know, those big rectangular, like, high school lunch pizzas? Yeah. yeah That's yeah. Elio's. So if you flip it over in the box, there's like this dotted line. And you're supposed to break it into like three Pop Tart sized pieces, but nobody did that. Everybody just eats the entire rectangle, right? So you got to ask people, do you eat the whole Elio's rectangle or do you break it into the things? If you break it up into multiple pieces, you're you're definitely a sociopath. 100%. Yeah, I would be completely against Brian. Anybody that would that would do that. You got to eat the whole thing. So my my the, my inner child loves a good piece of Elio's, which is literally just like white bread with like a ketchupy substance. <laughs> but but then like if I decide that I'm gonna go back to being an adult, I'm probably gonna do like a DiGiorno or something yeah. like that for cheese. <laughs> oh, always solid. I so not frozen pizza, but take and bake. There's a grocery store chain. I'm sure Brian, you have it called Aldi's. A L D I. I don't know if you got them in New York. Oh, yeah, we have Aldi. Yeah, dude, they have the greatest take and bake pizza. Like you can get a cheese pizza, large pizza for like six or six fifty. I take mm -hmm. it home. I put seasonings and my own toppings on it. It's non-greasy, crispy crust. Like mm -hmm. I'll take that over a lot of takeout, like the takeout chains. I love that shit, man. I'm game for that. I like that. I sometimes I'll buy the, um, what's that company in the supermarket that sells those like pre-made crusts in the plastic, the big plastic bag. Uh, yeah. Um, oh shoot. I know Gorilla exactly what you're talking about. Gorilla yeah. or whatever it is, whatever those are, those are really good. That you like, add your own sauce and cheese or whatever. Like I made like a, like a barbecue. Bobbly. 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 That's the one. Yeah. One time I made one of those and I put like Alfredo sauce as the sauce. And then I put more cheese and like a little bit of barbecue sauce, drizzle and onion, red onion. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, non bread. Like if you get the frozen non bread, those make yeah. great pizza bases too. Especially like if you like a flatbread style. Agreed. Brian, what's your go-to? For pizza? Yeah, like, like take frozen and make frozen or, home. Or anything. Yeah, all that stuff. Like not Be chain, like if you're going to make your own. If I make my own? Well, or do you that would be frozen, take and bake. Yeah. I'm just going to go with any pizza in general, whether it's frozen or delivery or whatever. We have uh, we have gas stations, convenience stores up here called Casey's mm -hmm. in the upper Midwest. That's the best pizza in town. So the gas station pizza at Casey's is the best in town. What makes it good? I don't know. It's just <laughs> something about it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just really good. It's there's a little bit of uh, controlled substance in each each slice. <laughs> I've always said with stuff like that, like people, especially in New York, because we're like we're like the bougie state with the best pizza, quote unquote, or whatever. And um, you know, whenever you order like here, like Domino's or Papa John's, it's like why would you do that? You're in New York. Why don't you just order it from like, you know, whatever. And I'm like, well, it's the same reason that you buy McDonald's, right? It's like, I'm under no delusion that a Big Mac is as good as like, I don't know, like a big giant juicy thing from the diner with, but it's, I just want that McDonald's experience. And I think that's the thing like gas station stuff. It's like, sometimes it's just like really good to you know what you're going to get and you're okay with that level. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an experience. It's, it's a different vibe, you know? <laughs> and and I will say a frozen one. They make, they, they make it there that you have like a whole, you know, 
So you can take it home and take and bake. Well, no, it's already made. They make it there. It's not like you pull it out of the freezer. Oh, gotcha. So they're making them in the back and then they're, yeah, yeah. we've got a place down the street for me called Country Kitchen. I guess it's a chain, but it's the only one here out in the Columbus area. And they make chicken strips and pizzas all fresh there. And like, I'm like, I'm like. That's that's the new model. It's like this restaurant slash gas station store. Yeah, we have like the Bucky's and all those. Well, what's the big uh, not sheets for you guys on the East Coast? Um, uh, farts where you know made to order sandwiches and all that stuff. Oh you know, yeah, where... we have we have a couple different ones. We have um, I mean we have all these sub shops here, but we have like a bunch of different gas stations here. We have like BP, Wawa, like Wawa, Wawa right? Yeah, Wawa. Wawa hasn't crept its way onto Long Island yet, but it's like this mythological thing that exists in New Jersey and like Pennsylvania. And when you go out, it's like, oh, we got to get Wawa. We got to go. Did you go to Wawa? You didn't go to Wawa? You blew it, man. Whole trip's ruined. Like that kind of thing. <laughs> They're all, they are all over Pennsylvania for sure. We have 7-Eleven here, like every five feet. So it's like, you know, 7-Eleven, we got the pizza, you got the wings, you got the, na- the nachos station with like the weird liquid gold cheese and like the the supposedly chili quote-unquote <laughs> do you, does it have the taquitos forever on the rollers just spinning yeah, and spinning and spinning? i love those taquitos there's something called the cheeseburger big bite it's like it's literally just like a log of burger <laughs> with like little pockets of of like uh cheese product nugget mixed in there you throw that on a stale white bun that's that's a that's a treat right there <laughs> That's a special treat. <laughs> Everybody's listening. It's like, like, what are these guys talking about? These Gas guys have no taste whatsoever. <laughs> Low brow food. Um, <laughs> what was the last concert you went to? Oh, um, the last concert I went to was Halloween. Uh, oh, the, wow. The, really? The German power metal band. Yeah, uh, I, I, them, I know uh, Halloween. Saw them at the uh the bowery i think in new york city they were they were awesome they were at the uh, admittedly i like halloween they're a cool band um they've never been like one of my like you know go-to bands that i listened to it was more one of these things where like my best friend was like hey you want to see halloween and i was like yeah sure why not let's do it um so we went we did that but i, I think in a lot of shows uh too many shows really but halloween was the last one and they were they were killer literally they had like a, a big glowing pumpkin on the of stage they did. i mean you, you would know, be disappointed if they didn't they literally had like uh they had the three lead guitarist thing going on and the bass player they, they also have uh, two lead singers which i i didn't realize that for some reason like the original huh. lead singer came back and then the guy that they had since 1992 that replaced him didn't yeah. leave so they just sort of have these two lead singers going on and then it's like the that one van halen tour where sammy and dave are both exactly <laughs> it's sort of like how like when iron maiden um when uh janet jurz joined the band after adrian smith left for a while and then when adrian smith came back they just kept janet jurz yeah. it's the exact same scenario with the guitar exactly. players and the lead singer so they just there's like eight million people on stage in front of a giant pumpkin when you go to see halloween <laughs> well it's also like hedging their bets if a singer gets yeah. sick or a guitar player like you just keep going like screw no, it we fine. Can't really? this yeah. yeah just keep going more it's like oh you're sick it starts fine i've been kind singing of, this year <laughs> no they're good they're set it's a... <laughs> which what's the next show you got lined up 
Um, what is the next show I have lined up? That's a that's a good question. I know I have um tickets to see Kiss in the Fall at Madison Square. I'm gonna try to see Aerosmith. I know I have other concerts lined up. I have this bad habit of scheduling concerts and then forgetting about them until the day of. And then that's my why I put everything in my calendar. Yeah, I do that, but the problem is I don't check. <laughs> the uh I'm seeing L.A. Guns at the Iridium July nice. 5th. I'm seeing L.A. Guns a week from tomorrow in Ohio. Oh, I'm you're seeing L.A. Guns through. on August 15th. So we're all seeing L.A. Guns. I will say uh, Tracy Guns is, is a buddy of mine. And, uh, nice. Tell Jeez. him to come on the podcast. Aces, come Dude. on. And we've we've been circling with Phil. Uh, Phil is so cool, too. I love I love those guys. They um, – I'm good buddies with Tracy and um, he's one of the best, the best guys in, in the business. He is one of the best guys I'm super pumped that LA guns is killing it. And I'm, I'm super pumped to see him. Um, and then I'm going to see uh kicks final show in Maryland. Nice. In that's a Brian. That's your band. Yeah. Yeah. I did the, uh, you probably saw it. I did the, the interview for metal edge where they, the exclusive where they announced it. The mm-hmm. whole kicks thing. I, I talked with Steve Whiteman, just before he went on stage to do that announcement, we got on the phone. It was cool. Love Kicks. So I'm going to be seeing Kicks at the final show in Maryland in September, whenever that is. I think it's the 17th. It's on the calendar. I'll probably forget. And I got LA Guns on July 5th at the Radium in the city. And who knows what will pop up in between. I get you know, offers to go see shows. I think I'm tentatively scheduled to see Eddie Ninevolt in the city on the 3rd in the, in the West Village. We'll I'm on the, the list. I'm hoping to make it. It's a weeknight. We'll see how tired I am to step into the city and two nights the same week. <laughs> so loop back to, looping back to LA Guns real fast. And I saw your article too, like the best hard rock records this year. Yeah. You listed LA Guns, which is so right. But can you remember, recall any band that's been out nearly 40 years where the stuff they're putting out now is just as good, if not better, like they're, original you know the early stuff that came out where they got named like i'm Um, talking about complete albums like the albums are good it's not like there's three good songs and filler it's like the albums are good no the the only band that i can really remember in like quote unquote recent years of the rock variety that has able to release music of this quality that rivals stuff that they did in the quote-unquote heyday is rush and rush is obviously a totally different band and they're gone now but when they were making music every album was a must listen if you like prog of course la guns totally different situation pretty i mean literally unprecedented and it's it's crazy because we talked to phil i mean he uh he told me he's like i didn't i, I was didn't think i'd ever talk to tracy again let alone work with him and it's crazy how life brought those two back together. And if if you look at the, the chat I did with Phil, he actually tells the story of how it happened and the chemistry that was like immediate. But um, it's amazing how fate brought those two back together. And they have not only stayed together, they, they have absolutely made the most of it. It's incredible, the music they're making. It's, I firmly believe, and I know a lot of, you know, cut sheet PR emails are going to say oh this is just as good and literally these last few la guns albums in my opinion are only a very close second to the first la guns record which is the best one but after the first la guns record 
I listen to these most recent albums more so than I do um, like, even Cocked and Loaded, to be yeah, honest yeah, with you. I, yeah. I really do. Like, it's, I mean, Black Diamonds is one of my favorite L.A. Guns albums. It's great. That might be my favorite <laughs> right now. I love it. Really I, I literally, I listen to it just as much. I listen to the first LA Guns record like every week, at least part of it. But yeah. I've been listening to the, I've been listening to Black Diamonds all the time. It, it, I'm not getting tired of it. It's like, because you know, it's funny, like nostalgia is a weird thing. A band that you love will put out a record and you listen to it and you're like, oh, it's awesome. They're back. And then all of a sudden it like, you like you add them to the playlist and then they start popping up in the playlist and you start skipping it and you're like, oh, I didn't like it as much as I actually thought I did. That was just exciting. That's not the case with L.I. Guns. This stuff is legitimately badass, like really good stuff. And that really comes from um, it's not just Tracy and Phil. Ace Von Johnson is an excellent guitar player and yep. a great guy. And he played yep. he was awesome with Faster Pussycat. And there's a reason why Tammy Downs didn't want to give him up and they had to pry him away. And Johnny Martin is a great bass player, mm -hmm. great bass player. Um, and the drummer, I mean, they've, they've cycled through a few drummers. I think they have yeah. uh, Sean Duncan right now, who is yep. an Odeon. But, but, but Adam Hamilton does all the studio stuff. And we had yep. Adam a couple weeks ago, and he is a – dude, he's a beast of a drummer, man. And Adam Hamilton is important, too, because I'm pretty sure he's, like, integral to the songwriting process he and is. the production yep. side of things, too. Mm -hmm. He's a big reason why those these L.A. Guns records sound so good because um, he's huge. Uh, he doesn't play with the band live, so a lot of people don't realize it. But, I mean, Tracy and Phil have both sung Adam's praises. That's a very important thing to remember. Um, he's a good drummer, but he's really – a, a excellent at helping them put those songs together because but ultimately i mean it's tracy who writes that music it's i mean anybody who who doesn't know it tracy guns is one of the best guitar players absolutely in hard rock and heavy metal he's better than a lot of the best guys out there and a lot of people don't realize it but um yeah he's an incredible guitar player a great songwriter uh his riffs are just monstrous his solos are so clean but distorted he writes great songs and whatever it is about the way he writes songs and riffs and solos it plays perfectly with phil's voice which incredibly hasn't changed has not changed literally has not changed and that's that is probably the most important piece of the whole thing because if he went up there sounding like a dead frog yeah or a dying frog i don't think we'd want to listen to this stuff <laughs> I saw the Sonic Slam tour last year, Faster Pussycat, LA Guns, and Kiefer, and I I went well. I lo always loved Cinderella, so I was gonna go. But the the last Gun Guns album came out, I was like, man, this is freaking good. And like Faster Pussycat, I'm like, yeah, I know some of the songs. I have no <laughs> idea who's like what's going on with the band, but all three bands sounded great. And like Phil Lewis blew me away when I heard him sing live. I'm like, Hold, like dude. You know, this is 1989 all over again. Crazy. And speaking of faster, and we were talking about young guitar players to watch. I will Sam Bam. Say, Sam Bam Colton. He's mm -hmm. a great interview. He's a great guy, and he's a he's a he's buddies with Tracy too, and you can kind of hear it in his playing. But he's awesome. He awesome. he is such a good guitar player, like and a great live performer. And he actually a showman, a showman when he plays. Showman. Yeah. And he performs with Dorothy too. I mean, I, I yep. literally, I feel like he tours like 
every day of the year. I don't know how he does it, but he's amazing. Like he's because he's young. <laughs> he's one of the he's one of the best. He's one of the best young hard rock guitar players out there today. Sam Bam Colton of Faster Pussycat. He's incredible. Yeah, we've had him on the show, and then I just saw Faster Pussycat last week in Columbus. He hooked me up with a ticket, and we chatted before the show and everything. And like, just he's such a just a good dude, just a good kid. Like he was Great raised dude. right. Yeah, and he's great. super healthy. Like he doesn't drink or anything. So, yeah, he's a great dude, and he, he's really he filled in for Ace a little bit in LA Guns. Yeah, he he's. I think uh, if my memory serves, uh, Ace is the re- is was a Ace was in faster, and LA Guns really wanted Ace, and uh, I believe that Ace was involved in Sam Bam becoming involved with Faster, yep. so the transition could happen. Um, and of course, LA Guns and Faster were really good friends. Uh, Tracy played with Faster for a little bit after Brent Muscat left years back. They, they've always been like a very interconnected band, not just from the scene, but they're actually very good friends. And there's been like a sort of swapping of members here and there. And yeah, Ace is a good dude, and uh, mm-hmm. he's a he he played a, a big hand in, in Sam getting into Faster Pussycat. And Dorothy, I think Brian didn't Ace tell us or yeah. sam told yeah, us that like so. dorothy yep. was looking for somebody and talked to ace and he recommended sam yep that's true she's a good artist too i saw i saw her last year with joyous wolf and uh classless act that was a fun bill oh yeah i mean uh, that that those three examples three of three of the best young bands out there i mean uh joyous wolf uh dorothy's great i only got into dorothy after i interviewed sam bam actually like a couple years back and uh i mean classes act those are such good guys um they were fun like they didn't they didn't break any you know ground with them but it, they were young kids having a lot of fun high energy and it, you could do nothing but stand there and smile at them that's that's exactly it uh, i think that's what they're trying to do and uh i like that i mean ultimately they're playing rock music i mean not everything can be groundbreaking necessarily sometimes it's better to be good than groundbreaking yeah yeah i mean listen we missed fun and music for years where like even the faster pussycat show, I was like, it was just fun. The music was fun and energetic and just, you stand there for an hour and a half with a smile on your face and then you leave. It's great. It's what you want. Absolutely. All right. I got two last questions for you uh, real fast here. So what are your top three albums this year? Um, well, that's, uh, I'll probably just feed off of that list I did for Metal Edge. Let me think. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> you could throw jazz or something electronica in there. I, you know, I admittedly, if I was to, if I was to give you jazz or electronica or like country albums, it would be like kind of like a drive. It's your three favorite, not Metal yeah. Edge's favorite or Guitar World. It's admittedly, your- though, just because of work, I've I've been hyper fixated on a lot of rock. And I, um, it would be if I was going to include stuff from other genres, it'd be sort of like a drive by. Oh, here's this thing. So I'm not going to do that. I'll probably say, <clears throat> well, you know what? You know, uh, Queens of the Stone Age new album just came uh, out. Yeah. In Times New Roman. I know it's only been out for a week. Um, sort of like how I said before, how sometimes an artist comes out with something and it's like, ooh, it's shiny new. I'm excited. I've had it on a lot over the past week and I'm not getting bored of it. Um, I think Paper Machete is one of the best songs Josh Homie's ever written. I love it. Um, that's going to, we're only halfway through, but as of now, that's going to be a top three. Uh, I got to go Black Diamonds, LA Guns. 
And then, um, let's see, what year is it? What year are we in? What came out this year? Uh, I don't know. That's that's tough. What else have I been listening to? Um, we need to pull your article up. I know you list. You had. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to give anything that's like that. I've Foo only Fighters, Avenged Sevenfold was on it. Uh, Queens of the Stone yeah. called out. L.A. Guns was on. Oh, there. you know what? I'll give you something a little different. Uh, no Gallagher's, High Flying Birds, Council Skies. I love there Oasis. I'm a huge, huge, huge Oasis person. Anybody that knows me, the only band that rivals Kiss for me is Oasis. Um, no Gallagher. Uh, no Gallagher was Council Skies. Um, love it. Uh, those three, I guess. I mean, I have a long history with No Gallagher, and uh, I've loved Queens forever. And I've, I like Guns, another one, you know. So it's not a big surprise to me that those are those are my three. Uh, I anticipated them, uh, and I'm just glad that when they came out, I actually loved them because it would have been. A, it's always a bummer when you know your favorite artist puts something out, and you're like, ooh. <laughs> stinker yeah but not the case those three are great and i guess they couldn't be more different you got alternative rock you got whatever no Gallagher hard is, rock and, and you got a good hard rock album alter- <laughs> yeah what do you call no like I me mean, i guess it's alternative rock i mean it's just not yeah he's like uh i know everybody's like oh he's brit pop i'm like not anymore and although there is a couple songs on there that are kind of brit poppy but he's experimenting you know what i mean he's doing his thing i mean he's he he mixes in like bits of the Smiths and the Stone Roses and Oasis and Electronica and the Chemical Brothers and he kind of throws it into his own stew and he just I love it. There's even like like some dance elements on there and it's it's just very cool. Um, Torn with garbage this summer. <laughs> that's gonna be really cool. I, I've long been a big fan of Noel Gallagher. I, I've said it to people before. I don't think it's a stretch to say that he's one of the greatest songwriters of all time. I mean, look at just look at what he's done with Oasis. And then as a solo artist, he doesn't write bad songs. And he's by no means a virtuoso guitar player, but he's a very right. good. He's he he writes stuff he, that's super simple and super memorable. And he and he plays it well. I mean, that's really he has it. more memorable songs than somebody like Ingve Malmsteen for a reason. He does. I mean, I can sing you the solo to Don't Look Back in Anger, and I wouldn't mm-hmm. even try to do that with any of Ingve's scallop, scallop <laughs> neck stuff. I mean, Ingve, <laughs> admittedly, you're talking to a guy who, who, who uh, Ingve would be at the bottom of my shred list. Yeah. Although he's very talented. Right. But, but it's like, I'm, I'm not into it. He's a great guitar player, but just because you're great doesn't mean I'm going to, you know, latch on to your music yeah you just hit the winery dogs record i thought you'd throw winery dogs oh yeah you know the winery dogs one if you were gonna do a top five then the winery dogs would be on there i i I love the winery dogs because it's it's a rare example of a super group that actually makes good music and isn't just like oh we're we're three awesome musicians come listen to this and you listen to it and you're like mm, why why did that happen like is this a lot Everybody's of doing their own thing and they don't like mesh there's a lot of there's a lot of super groups where they make albums and um it's just like ew you know what i mean like hollywood vampires 
All right, the, we'll, we'll move on, Ryan. I want to mention, speaking of, of shredders, and it, not this segues into new records, but the only guy I really care for is Nuno, and so Extreme has a new record out. That, and that was on your list. You know, Nuno uh, is incredible. Uh, I admittedly, um, you know, it's a funny thing. I feel like people that are my age that grew up in the 90s, as far as that style of shred because it's it's its own thing because it's tied to anthemic pop metal music type stuff and that's eddie van halen and noodle betancourt and there's no surprise they're forever tied and i know that that's sort of a boring overdone comparison but it's true as nuno has told us <laughs> but I didn't really grow up fully appreciating Nuno Betancourt. I'll be fully, fully honest with you. I, I grew up into guys like Jimmy Page. I mean, I remember being eight yeah, years yeah. old and arguing with my dad, you know, my eight-year-old self, that Jimmy Page and Ace Frehley, I, I, you know, those are my guys, and he was the Eddie Van Halen guy. He's like, Eddie Van Halen is – and as I got older, I, I get it. Eddie Van Halen is was a freak of nature. But the thing about it – is, is that I was never drawn to that type of thing. Even as a kid, I've always been drawn to what the guys that are quote unquote sloppy. And I call it, you know, what I mean? right. And I think as far as Nuno's concerned and extreme, I've as older now and having interviewed him and, and watched him do what he's done, I now really do appreciate just how good he is he's he's a great guitar player but more importantly he's a he's a, a critical personality in the guitar scene um i mean the whole he's he's carrying the genre and bringing back guitar thing is 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 pretty overblown guitar never went anywhere it it, it shape it shifts and evolves as, as we've as we've said there's plenty of young guitar players that are, are doing just fine for themselves but I mean, as far as maybe keeping extreme and Van Halen style uh, guitar music alive, okay, uh, yeah, Nuno's definitely carrying that torch. But I would point you to somebody like Yvette Young or uh, Lilani Co uh, Kilgore, uh, as far as players which are keeping the genre alive and pushing it forward. But but I mean, as far as Extreme Six. I mean, the the stuff, it's it's a great album, but, I mean, Nuno made the point. There's nothing on this album that I haven't been doing for 30 years. Right, it's just right. it's, it's been 15 years since you heard me do it. <laughs> I love that album, but the song Beautiful Girls is a dog. It is, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, you know. it's ter No, it's terrible. Like, I don't know if there's anything else to say. It's bad. I will say about the new Extreme album, I uh, I dig it. It, it's I dig it. It's a good album. I get why people are, are about it. It's got a bunch of guitar performances on it that are absolutely off the charts. Amazing. Gary Sharon sounds awesome. It sounds like extreme. They, they're another band that kind of like L.A. Guns, where it's like they just picked up and it's like, oh, here we are. Boom. But I mean, I like L.A. Guns better, um, but I, I get too. it. I get it. I totally I totally get it. It's just uh, it's not necessarily my 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 favorite, but I, I put it on the list and I, I I will say anything I put on the list uh, it, I put on my metal edge list that is I, I put on because I genuinely wanted it there, not because I felt like I had to. 
and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's my favorite album, but it's because I get it and I appreciate it for what it is and its significance. Fair but enough. I will say, and I, I am one to admit when I'm wrong or I made a mistake, I, I wish I had included Angel's new album on there. I didn't Angel? think of it. I didn't think of it until after the fact. Angel uh, has a great new album out. Is that, I, is that are they like a glam metal band? Yeah, Punky Metal. Yeah. Yeah. New album out. Uh, I think it's called Once Upon a Time. Okay. I I didn't include it. I wish I had, and if I could go back, I would. So I'll, I'll do the right thing now and say, hey, I I didn't include Angels Once Upon a Time. If I write a year end list, which I very well may, Angel will be on there. So sorry. Right. I marked it down to listen to out of your recommendation because I trust you. Sorry, Punky, I forgot you, buddy. But what I, <laughs> what I, what I didn't forget is Heaven's Edge. Uh, they have a comeback album and they're awesome and that would probably be in my top five along with uh winery dogs if we were asking about top five and brian and i are old metal guys too so we may do blues and southern rock podcast but we are we're metal heads right brian yes indeed they go hand right. in hand they do <laughs> so last question for you and I, you've you've kind of hinted at this already and I, i'm you know i'll probably figure out where we're gonna go with this but give us a guilty pleasure musician artist song oh you would know, be, be surprised to hear that you like. That's a good. That's a good question. Um, you know, look, I grew up in the '90s, and I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to admit that for boy bands, uh, boy uh, bands. Yeah, I'm not afraid to admit that I had Backstreet Boys on CD. I had Spice Girls on CD. I, I had well, it, and I had it, and I, I still, I still jam out to that. I don't care. I'll throw that on. I'll put I want it. I'll put I want it that way on right now. I don't care. I will. <laughs> I don't care, and I'll, I'll say this. Uh, what, what was uh, that song by that that band that like that Irish pop band Bewitch? Say La Vie. Oh and my I, God! You gotta admit it's classic. It's a classic, man. Like if I'm gonna make a guilty pleasure list, you gotta believe Say La Vie is gonna be on there, and definitely some Spice Girls. Like like that whole album, that whole Spice Girls album. Um, like that first one. That whole first one is is just what was like wanna be on it and stuff. But as far as like boy bands go, like what was it like? Everybody was either Backstreet Boys or in sync. I was totally yeah. Backstreet Boys. I want it that way, larger than life, all that good stuff. That stuff. I mean, but I mean, as far as like newer stuff, I got to admit, I don't know why Big and Rich, Saber Horse, Ride a Cowboy. Oh no! Oh, God. <laughs> You're you're not coming back. Right. We'll talk to lie. you next like, time. I'm not gonna lie, like every once in a while, oh. when, when, like at the gym, I just I throw that on. I don't know. I get I get pumped. What can I say? <laughs> I mean, you want that, that's that's a this guilty. Might be my favorite guilty pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> and then what's another one? Uh, uh, what's that song? Levels we by are coming it. to your city. <laughs> I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying <laughs> it's a guilty pleasure. Right. It's true. It's a guilty pleasure. So it doesn't And then uh I like that song uh Levels by a VC or whatever. I just get pumped. I don't know. If I want to get pumped, uh, if I'm like having a, a rough time on the elliptical at the gym, I need to get pumped. I'm like, I gotta throw some big and rich on <laughs> and then a little of VC. <laughs> oh god, that's bad. I yeah. Oh, it's bad. I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna lie to you, but yeah, big and rich. <laughs> I, uh, it's, on, it's on my phone. In my, I iPhone. respect you for being honest. I really do. That's that's got to be hard to admit. Hey, that you know, look, I, I think a lot of people think that uh, people that write about music and stuff, it, we're like snooty and we're gatekeepers and stuff like right. that. It's like, oh, I have, 
excellent taste in music because I write about it. I don't claim to have good taste in music. I <laughs> I, I, I listen to you like what you like. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Uh, everything's subjective. I'm not gonna sit here. I can't sit here and say what's good and what isn't. I mean, I listen to some stuff. Like my girlfriend puts some stuff on. I'm like, ooh, that's that's ooh, don't don't. But but hey, who am I to throw rocks from my glass house when I have big and rich going on? <laughs> so what am I gonna do? <laughs> I I will say, check out Tiffany's album that came out last December. Ace Von Johnson played on it. There's a cover ooh. of a uh, Rival Sons. Like it's a rock record from Tiffany from the '80s. That's that's my current guilty pleasure. I I'll really enjoy it. I'll check that out. Do it. All right. Andrew, thank you for coming on. You rescued us tonight. We had uh, somebody back out, and you connected with us last week. I appreciate you reaching out. I appreciate you being available. This was a lot of fun. Oh, man, no, no problem. Anytime. It was an absolute pleasure, a lot of fun. It's always good to talk about music and make new friends and, the, and all that stuff. So it's an absolute pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Where does everybody listening go to find all of your stuff and all your social media handles? What is my social media? That's a good question. I should probably know I, that. I mean, you're on Twitter and Instagram. I'm on, right? I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, the handle's the same. It's Facebook. AJ. Oh, yeah. I'm on Facebook just under Andrew Daly. You can find me. Uh, as far as my uh, my Twitter and my Instagram, it's AJDWriter88. AJDWriter88. And I write for... Uh, uh, you know, if you were to Google me, you'd probably find all sorts of crap, but I write predominantly for Guitar World, uh, Goldmine, um, both print and online, Rock Candy Print, and uh, Metal Edge Online, and Classic Rock History, and uh, I write for the print mag for Guitar World, too. Well, it was a pleasure having you on. Like, I, I love your stuff. Uh, Brian does, too. Everybody out there should read it. Brian? Thank you so much to our new friend, Andrew Daly, rock journalist. Thanks for coming on, saving us tonight. It was a pleasure. We can't wait to do it again. Thanks, guys. I look forward to the next time, anytime. Thanks a lot to our new buddy, Andrew Daly, for joining us and in, in, uh, coming on board when we needed someone on short notice. And I love this guy because his favorite cereal is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> yes, the... Famous Leilani Kilgore psycho questions made another <laughs> appearance this time, and a good conversation was generated from that. And how many people have picked Cinnamon Toast Crunch? Like 50% of the people we've we've asked their favorite cereal. Yeah, I think more than one, more than two, yeah. maybe three or four. It's pretty consistent. Didn't Jason Clark from uh, Bourbon House pick that too? I think you're right. I think he may yeah. have done that. You gotta love cinnamon toast crunch. You gotta, I do. I I do like cinnamon toast crunch. My go-to is always peanut butter Captain Crunch, though. That is the one I like. So there's, a, I've got a couple boxes of, you know, Captain Crunch, you know, up on top of the cupboards. And I, whenever I look up there, I first thing I think of is you talking about, you know, whenever you eat that stuff, it scratches the roof of your mouth. It does scratch the roof of your mouth, man. But it, the pain is worth the pleasure of the cereal, um, Andrew. It was awesome. We got to talk about his Rich Robinson article, some Black Crow stuff, some other, you know, I thought it was interesting, Brian, the way uh, he gets his assignments or can pick his assignments and kind of search out people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, talking to him about, you know, his uh, interview with Buddy Guy and then with Rich, that was very cool. It's good, 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 you know, yin and yang or similarities, actually. Talked a lot of LA guns talked about a little bit of metal stuff 
just uh, another just another awesome dude, just like Matt. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. Knows a ton about music and like it's just somebody we can have a just sit down and have a chat with. We didn't have any time to prepare anything other than we know this Black Crows article is out. Let's talk about it. He was a home run. Well, yeah, and so Andrew's definitely on the list of, you know, when we do some like uh, talk about whatever series where we just talk to somebody with zero topic. Just We're just going to talk about his guilty pleasures of his music and his voice. No, no. <laughs> I did send him, though, we were talking music. So I sent him some of the bands that we like, uh, like Them Dirty Roses. He digs them. He was already a fan of Jane Lee Hooker. I sent him a link to that new Tiffany album where Ace Von Johnson played on and they cover Rival Sons. He liked it. He's like, that's a good guilty pleasure. So uh, he's enjoying some of the stuff that we do, Brian. Yeah, and I listened a little bit of Jason Kane and the Jives, so I really appreciate Andrew uh, turning on, turning us on to those guys. It, it's it's still so cool that like somebody is going to bring up a band that I haven't come across yet. You know, yeah, just, that they just keep showing up out of nowhere. They keep showing up out of nowhere. There's so many. We're at a you know what? We're at a good spot right now with music. There are a lot of great artists, and like we talk all the time. The only problem is finding out about them. How do we find out about them? So talking to journalists is great. Getting them on our show is great. Listen to other podcasts like Listen our buddies podcasts. on the Pantheon podcast. Yep. For sure. Listen to our podcast. So, yep. you know, usually I don't tell anyone what the outro song is going to be, but you know, I just, we talked about the crows a lot and I thought of, uh, you know, an unreleased song of theirs that I really love a lot. So uh, from Red Rocks in July, 2006, the black crows with magic rooster blues and always remember, Southern Rock is reverent, blues is blood. We'll see you next time. Turn down, strung out on a train. In a 
of the matter The lamb's getting fatter Berries right from the vine The wine is warm The sun is dry Well, I do believe it's time Yeah Make a little morning out of my midnight If I'm in my ear, baby, it's all right Come and put your hands on the get your shoes Santa May, not the good for blue It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 